This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. The Capitals lose a battle with the Bruins on Sunday. John Carlson's up and down weekend. And Patrick Marlowe will set an astounding NHL record tonight in Las Vegas. Good morning, everybody. It is Monday, April 19th. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. It was a back-and-forth game yesterday in Boston, Ben. Big boy hockey, as you like to say. The Caps battled from two down to take a lead, but ultimately could not hold them off. It was a big day for T.J. Oshie, but it was a bigger day for Boston's perfection line and a 6-3 victory for the Bruins. And big boy hockey, and yesterday in Boston, some high-event hockey as well between the Bruins and Capitals. I thought for the most part, John, it was actually a very entertaining game. Back and forth they went. A whole lot of physicality and animosity, a whole lot of high-end talent into your point ultimately Boston's perfection line among the differences in this one but not surprisingly we anticipated the Bruins would be ready to go last weekend's 8-1 blowout loss maybe still fresh in their mind and you know they were licking their chops waiting to get a Capitals bunch playing their second game in back-to-back days this weekend and the Bruins were able to ultimately take advantage of that and create a little bit of separation late in the second period that proved to be too much of a hill to climb for what was also in the end a shorthanded Capitals bunch. Yeah, and to that end, suddenly defensive injuries after 33 straight with the same six defensemen. You and I spent a lot of time going up to the trade deadline talking about the depth, and now that depth is going to get tested a little bit. Trevor Van Riemsdyk had to play yesterday with Zdeno Chara out before the game even started, and then Justin Schultz injured in the first period. So a little bit of the bumps and bruises. It took a long time, and the Capitals have been fortunate, but it seems like their luck on the back end may have run out here for a little bit. And we'll see what happens now between now and Thursday. Fortunately, you can say for the Capitals, three days without games here to start this week. This is in this condensed schedule nature of this season. This is as long of a break as you're typically going to get at any point this late into the year. So hopefully the few days off gives Chara and Schultz the opportunity to to heal up. I'm curious what the situation is with Chara because you know he would have loved to have been back in Boston. I know he'd already been there, been through the return to TD Garden, but nonetheless for him to have missed his first game of the year against the Bruins in Boston, you know, whatever is bothering him has to really be ailing him. So hopefully he's okay in the, in the coming days and a few days of R&R worked his benefit and Schultz, that's uh, it's a curious one too. You know, ran, ran into uh, Taylor Hall there midway through the first period and didn't return due to lower body injury. So hopefully he's okay. And otherwise for the Capitals, when you look at the depth, John, yes, Jonas Siegenthaler was traded just before the deadline, a move that helped clear up some salary cap, helped allow Brian McClellan to go out and get Anthony Mantha. But at the same time, McClellan wouldn't have done that if he wasn't confident in the depth that was already in place, be it Trevor Van Riemsdyk, be it lower down the depth chart, even a Martin Ferravari and Hershey, for example. So they do have depth. Hopefully it doesn't need to be called upon too much to too large of an extent, but it is there if needed. Last change can be so important. And yesterday in Boston, I thought a pretty good example of that. Evgeny Kuznetsov had a rough day in not winning many draws, not getting many shots. And facing the big boys on the other side, Ben, uh, the matchups, Bruce Cassidy got pretty much exactly what he wanted in that game yesterday. Exactly. And it shows one of the advantages to home ice advantage, of course, uh, the benefit of having the last change and getting the preferable matchups. I think if you play this matchup in Washington, as they will in the regular season finale, we'll see what's potentially at stake when these teams meet one more time on May 11th. But I think if you're Peter Laviolette, 
you feel comfortable, really, whether it's Nick Backstrom going up against the perfection line, whether you want to deploy the fourth line, the quote-unquote shutdown line of Dowd, Hathaway, and Haglin. They've shown a knack for being able to match up against some of the best in the division this season. And even Lars Eller, he's been trusted in those shutdown responsibility roles, defensive responsibility roles, that the one that you do sort of raise the antenna with who could potentially be taken advantage of is Evgeny Kuznetsov. And we did see that yesterday in Boston, along with Ovechkin and Wilson on that top line. And Patrice Bergeron had his way in the face-off circle against Kuznetsov. Kuzi lost 11 of 14 on the day, including 6 of 8 against Bergeron. That line is a handful. You got to be smart. You got to make smart decisions. You got to be defensively responsible. And if you're not... They'll pick you apart. One of the best trios in the league. And it was not a favorable matchup for the Caps yesterday. And one that Bruce Cassidy and the Bruins certainly took advantage of. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times for John Carlson over the weekend. Caps winning in Philadelphia by a score of six to three on Saturday. And in doing so, John Carlson did something he had never done. In fact, only five other defensemen in this organization's history had ever done. That's come up with four assists in a single game. But then there was yesterday, Ben, where... He finished a minus five in the game against Boston. So some ups and downs. Call it feast or famine for number 74. Yeah, exactly. And and thinking of the, you know, really the, the backbreaker in this game with Boston leading 4-3 late in the second period, just over two minutes remaining. Ill-advised pinch from Carlson, caught out of position. And the Bruins, again, that perfection line, able to take advantage. They went the other way in transition. That was a big goal, ultimately on, the, on their way to the 6-3 win. And that an example, you know, again, feast or famine, you know, you get the offensive productivity, you get the points. Sometimes you got to be smart about it too. And yeah, dash five, that's, that's not great for John Carlson, who, who did play big minutes, was asked to do a lot of heavy lifting again with a shorthanded blue line playing the second game in as many days. But certainly uh, you'd like to see less of that and more of the John Carlson we saw on Saturday in the blowout win over Philly. As Patrick Marlowe now... Stepping on the ice momentarily, we assume, and there he is, and it's official now as Marlowe on the ice for game 1767. And Gordy, you've got company. That's Randy Hahn on the call. That was Saturday at XL Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. Patrick Marlowe and Gordy Howe now tied for the most games played in NHL history. An incredible achievement that we will pay respect to today here on Caps This Morning, remembering what the world was like when Marlowe's streak began. We climb now into the Wayback Machine to the first week of October in 1997. Near the top of the Billboard 100 in the first week of 1997, it's Ben Raby's favorite boy band, the Backstreet Boys. It's also the week it all began in the National Hockey League for Patrick Marlowe. He will surpass Gordy Howe tonight for the most games played in NHL history when he skates in his 1,768th regular season game of his career. It'll happen tonight in Las Vegas. Gordie Howe has held that distinction since November 26, 1961, when he overtook Ted Lindsay and became the first player to appear in 1,000 games in the league. With that in mind, here's what was going on in the world the first week of October 1997, the same week that Patrick Marlowe played in his first NHL game. We start with a movie still days away from being released. Are you ready to go back to Titanic? 
The rookie Patrick Marlowe on this power play with Kozlov and Craven. McSorley and Ragnarsson on the board. Craven gets it to Marlowe in the corner. A chance in front and what a save by Curtis Joseph off Murray Craven. There's the Sharks' first round draft pick, second overall this year from Aneroid, Saskatchewan, Patrick Marlowe. How about the names in that clip? Curtis Joseph, the goalie for Edmonton, as Marlowe played in his first game. Daryl Sutter was the San Jose coach. A young Randy Hahn on the call that game on October 1st, 1997. Current leading goal scorer in the NHL, Austin Matthews, was two weeks old. This season's points leader, Connor McDavid, was barely eight months old. The trophy presentation is coming up. The MVP in today's ball game. Uh, you want to know who it is? I'm standing alongside his proud daddy. Quarterback Brian Greasy of Michigan. That's Keith Jackson with the call at the end of the 1997 Rose Bowl. Brian Greasy was named the MVP in that game. His dad, Bob Greasy, was in the ABC broadcast booth that day. And the backup quarterback during the 1997 season for Michigan, a guy named Tom Brady. Wolverines finished as undefeated national champions. It's true, kids. Michigan football used to be good. Go look it up. How about in baseball? I know you'd like this, man. I did this for you. Ken Griffey Jr. and Larry Walker named American and National League Most Valuable Players, respectively, in the 1997 season, October 97. Walker in his third season with the Colorado Rockies after his days as a Montreal Expo. Griffey was still with Seattle and three years away from becoming a Cincinnati Red. Too soon, John, on the Expos reference. How dare you? But Larry Walker, yes, NL MVP. I remember that. He was also, he was in the running for Canadian Athlete of the Year. He lost to a Formula One driver, Jacques Villeneuve, and he complained. He said he lost to a machine, did Larry Walker. But an Expos, great. I'm open to that on, on Caps this morning, sure. Hey, a Montreal Expo reference on the show, so you're welcome anyway. Disappointed uh, it took us this long. Yeah, I, I can't believe it took as many shows until it came up. And then this is the one for me that, okay, it's a little self-serving, but it also brings up something that has nothing to do with Marlowe and everything to do with me and Zdeno Chara. Two days later, on October 3rd, 1997, on what would have been Patrick Marlowe's AHL team if he had ever played a day in the minors. He did not. San Jose's affiliate that year was a shared affiliation between the Sharks and the New York Islanders. The team in Lexington, Kentucky, was called the Kentucky Thoroughblades, one of the best AHL names probably of all time. On October 3rd, 1997, I called my very first pro hockey game, and in the same game, Zdeno Chara played in his first ever pro game. He wore number 37 that night, a young and very tall defenseman. He would be called up later in the year by the New York Islanders, but Zdeno Chara and me, our pro debuts happened on the same night in the same building on two different sides. I did not know that. Do you have do you have tape? Do you have do you have audio evidence of this? You gotta have tape of your first. I'm gonna have to dig. Game. I'm gonna have to dig. It was my first ever game. Here's the funny thing about that, Ben, is Cincinnati started out not very good, only twenty-three wins that first year. But in their first two games, a home and home with Kentucky, they gave up sixteen goals in their first two games. A five-nothing win for Kentucky in Cincinnati's first ever game. And then in the home opener, the franchise, the first ever home game in franchise history, they gave up a 11 goals and lost 11 to six with not, not a lot good happening that year in terms of wins and losses. 
Man, that's great, though. That's awesome. And I did not know that about Shara. That's awesome. We got to dig up that tape. And nice job going down the rabbit hole and bringing up some some Backstreet Boys. I know you must have enjoyed that activity as well. Yeah, there was a lot in there that once you got started in that little audio project, you're like, hey, what was a good song in, in October of 1997? And I was kind of disappointed. better than that. Yeah, I, I was hoping I would find something better than that. And with that... We head to the out-of-town scoreboard. Around the Mass Mutual East Division on Sunday, the New York Rangers continue to march toward the top four in the East. They defeat the Devils 5-3 to the final. Chris Kreider getting his 19th goal of the season. Alexis Lafreniere gets number eight. Mika Zibanejad continues his late-season surge, potting his 16th goal of the season. Alexander Georgiev stopped 25-28 of to pick up the win. The Buffalo Sabres did the rest of the top four a solid on Sunday. They defeated Pittsburgh 4-2 at KeyBank Center. Sam Reinhardt leading the way with two goals for Buffalo. Jeff Carter picked up his first point in a Penguin uniform, assisting on Jason Zucker's seventh goal of the season. And how about Dustin Tokarski? He didn't have a win in the NHL since December of 2015 before winning in Washington last Thursday. He now has two straight victories. He stopped 34-36. Sabres win 4-2 over Pittsburgh. And the New York Islanders last night, meeting the Philadelphia Flyers at Wells Fargo Center after the Capitals won in South Philly on Saturday. This one, a goaltending duel between Brian Elliott of the Flyers and Ilya Sorokin of the Islanders. It went to overtime and was scoreless until... Flyers, they are 5-2 and two in sudden death as Lenny cuts in. What an Everly, they score! Nick Letty off the stick of Travis Sandheim, and the Islanders win it one nothing in overtime. Brendan Burke on NBCSN last night on the call. Islanders jump past Pittsburgh and into second place with a one nothing win in overtime in South Philly. Tonight in the Mass Mutual East, everyone has the night off. We mentioned earlier, San Jose tonight in Las Vegas taking on the Knights. And again, congratulations to Patrick Marlowe, who tonight will become the all-time games played leader in NHL history. Look at the standings on this Monday morning. The Capitals continue to hold down the top spot with 62 points. The Islanders in second with 60. Third place, Pittsburgh 59. Boston creeping closer. Right now, 56, only six off the pace and with three games in hand on the front-running Capitals. Rangers at 52, and the Philadelphia Flyers have 47. All right, so the Capitals and the Islanders off until Thursday. 7 o'clock is the game, 4 o'clock with Caps game day. Hey, Ben, have yourself a great Monday. I'll be at McDonald's for the McNugget Minute. Oh, I'm sure you will be. Have a great Monday, everybody. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.